I've been so intent on the content that I forgot to remind you that I have tickets for the Michael W. Smith concert tomorrow night at Celebrity Theater, and you still have, uh, well, just under 20 minutes to send your email to win at faithtalk1360.com. That's win at faithtalk1360.com. The drawing is happening right after this show, so you've got to get your email in right now. Eric Stanley from Alliance Defending Freedom, my guest, and we've been talking about the Protecting Your Ministry handbook that is available quite literally for anybody uh, that uh, needs this, the areas of concern, uh, whether it be a church, whether it be a Christian school or Christian ministry, help is available, and it should be done proactively. There are a lot of questions. In fact, uh, I people know that I'm on the radio. They say, hey, Tom, what does this really mean? And I say, uh, you need to go to adflegal.org. Uh, but <laughs> what are some of the, Eric, what are some of the big questions that churches are, are coming to you guys with saying, gosh, what is this and how can we protect ourselves? Well, probably the number one question that churches come to us and ask about is, will pastors be forced to officiate same-sex ceremonies? Uh, same-sex wedding ceremonies. And we've looked into this very closely uh, because we, we want to always be uh, the, this, not a voice of panic or alarmism, but a voice of reason, uh, but a sober voice of judgment. And so what we've really come to in our judgment is that pastors will not have that faced, uh, forced upon them anytime in the near future. Uh, that may come, but if it does come, it's going to be further on down the road. That's not going to be something that we think is going to show up in the meantime or in the near term. And the main reason for that is pastors are not forced to officiate any same or any wedding ceremonies. Period. Hmm. Uh, they are part of a group of people that are authorized uh, to perform wedding ceremonies, to solemnize them, uh, and to sign the marriage license. Uh, and then, but but they're not authorized to do it, or they're not compelled to do it. So I, I analogize it to a situation where the state gives you a driver's license. Uh, they are authorizing you to drive on the road, but that then does not give them the right to compel you to get behind a wheel and drive a car. Mm. Uh, the same is true with pastors. Uh, so we don't think that that's really going to be where the coming battle will be in the near term. And that's good news, because I know that, especially for those that this was kind of a wake-up call, uh, they, everybody, you know, the, the pendulum tends to swing and everybody was, and somewhat rightfully so, very alarmed. And it's like, well, just how far is this pendulum swinging right now? What are some other uh, big questions that are coming to you guys? Yeah, probably the two other big questions that we have are uh, related to use of church facilities and tax-exempt status. Mm. Uh, and I do think that those are the areas that we'll probably be focusing on in the short term. Uh, mostly related to use of, of church facilities and religious organization facilities. So this would be places like camps, retreat centers, places where weddings have historically taken place. Uh, and really what that boils down to is uh, there are non-discrimination laws and ordinances on the books that prohibit discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity in what's called places of public accommodation. And there are some uh, or some jurisdictions, either state or local jurisdictions, that believe that churches may fall within that place of public accommodation. Uh, and so they believe that they might be able to tell a church, well, if you allow weddings, you cannot discriminate against same-sex weddings because you are a place of public accommodation. 
Now, that is an issue that we are, are planning to go to the mat on uh, at ADF because the way a, a church's facilities are part and parcel of what a church says to the community, the, the message it sends, uh, it says, in essence, these groups that we've allowed into our facility are part of the message that we're sending to the community, that they are consistent with our faith. We're not at the point where churches need to be panicked and say, okay, no weddings, no nothing in our church. Again, I think that's reactionary. Oh, I think that's an alarmist position. I think instead what churches need to do is adopt that facility use policy that's in our Protecting Your Ministry Manual. Still keep your doors open to the community. The church has been pushed to the, to the margins of, the, of society and the, and the culture and community for way too long. Let's not allow this kind of legal climate we're in now to push us even further to the margins of the community, uh, but still remain active in the community, allow those weddings to take place, but say a church is a place of public worship, not a place of public accommodation. There are, there are two very, very different things, and we plan to go to the mat on that issue. The manual itself is not just theory. There are actual real-life cases, uh, and I'm just kind of flipping through some of these, and it is truly amazing. I would love to say that this is, in my simple form, that this 30 years ago, 40 years ago, would have been a document of common sense, that there's no way some of these uh, uh, situations would have come about because it's common sense that a church can dictate its faith and how it interacts with the community based on its faith. But that's not the case anymore. Well, it's not. And for we find ourselves in a climate today, both culturally and legally, where too many people believe that the church is just another business, hmm. uh, that there's nothing distinctive about the church. Uh, as one pastor I was listening to a couple of years ago put it, uh, the church is no longer the home team. Uh, we we are yeah. the visiting team, uh, in essence. And society views the church through a lens of, well, there's nothing distinctive about you other than any other kind of association that is out there. And And I think that's where we've got to remind society through the law, through our Constitution, through pressing our constitutional rights in court cases, those kinds of things, that there is something different about the church, that people gather to worship the Lord at the church. They gather to together with other people of like-minded faith. That's why churches have a statement of religious belief on a number of different issues. Uh, and that, that really the law should not be used in a way that would compel a church to do anything that is at odds with its statement of faith. Um, and so, yeah, this is not, we are no longer in the realm of the theoretical. Uh, we're in the realm of the practical and the urgent uh, when it comes to churches. Mm -hmm. And it is just amazing to me as I'm continuing to look through these real-life cases, uh, just so many different areas of our culture. And, you know, the opposition, when they were pushing these ideas through, they said, oh, well, it will never get to that. It will never be that we would never ask for that. Quite literally, all of those things or most of those things, the very next day after the Supreme Court ruling, they Im immediately started putting out into social media and in what is now uh, passes for journalism uh, sites across the country saying, okay, here's the next step. Well, that's right. Yeah, the, the ink wasn't even dry hardly on the, on the court opinion. 
and the fir- one of the first uh, news stories went up that it's time to pass ENDA at the federal level, which is the Employment Non-Discrimination Act that would make it uh, unlawful and discriminatory to uh, discriminate in your hiring and firing decisions on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity, to make that a nationwide policy. Two days after the Supreme Court decision, there was an op-ed that a silencing of dissent. It's a legal agenda. It never has been. It has been the silencing of dissent. It's a legal agenda. It never has been. It has been the silencing of dissent. Uh, and the way that that happens, if you don't like the truth and you want to silence the truth, is you silence the truth tellers. Uh, and that too often becomes the church. And the problem there is that the church has to remain free to proclaim the gospel message. And, and that means then that the church also has a, has a decision to make in this legal climate. Do we shrink back into the four walls of our church and we kind of retreat into our holy huddles and just stay there and protect our right to worship God? Or do we continue to advance the gospel uh, in this culture, no matter what the case is? I told a group of, of churches uh, just last week, I said, you know, the the Supreme Court decision did not alter, amend, or repeal the Great Commission. And the Great right. Commission never came with a caveat that said, go into all the world and make disciples as long as the culture agrees with you mm-hmm. and likes you. And so the church has to, has to fight back against this urge to panic and to retreat, and instead to continue to fulfill the, the mission that our Lord has put on us, to press forward into the culture, to proclaim the gospel to a society that needs to hear it now more than ever, and then to know that God has raised up groups like ADF for a time such as this to protect the church. Uh, and, and one of the things we always tell pastors is, you do what God's called you to do, and we've got your back. Uh, and we will fight as hard and as long as we can to make sure that that gospel goes forward unhindered. Eric Stanley, attorney with Alliance Defending Freedom, with Kevin at the beginning of the program. We talked about uh, how ADF is organized and their you know, an alliance, uh, and that there are attorneys all over the country, over 2,000 that uh, donate their time uh, to fight these battles in exchange for training. Something we didn't talk about specifically is that these services that you provide are free to those that are coming under attack. They are. Uh, we don't do anything. We don't charge for any of our legal services, and we represent our, all of our clients free of charge. And the reason for that is uh, if you're faced as, a, as an individual, as a church, uh, as a religious ministry with a significant constitutional case, uh, many times you don't have the, the wherewithal to go hire an attorney to fight it out for you. And you don't even know which attorney would be good to do that. And so uh, through the, really the, general, uh, the, the generous donations of our ministry friends, we're able to represent uh, all kinds of people in ministries across the country free of charge to make sure that their constitutional rights are protected so that they don't just have to submit, uh, but they can stand up and protect them not only for themselves, but for others that come down the road that are in their same situation. And ADF is active in writing policy and writing briefs, but you also fund other organizations that are out there on the front lines battling as well. Uh, we do. And I think that's uh, another situation where we recognize that, you know, this is not just about one group. This is about an alliance and building an alliance that will confront the issues that are taking place in our culture today. And that may mean that another group has a case, another firm has a case that uh, they need to litigate. And so uh, we're going to fund their ability to do that. 
Eric Stanley, well done. Looking forward to having you back and having you in studio, as a matter of fact. Where can my listeners right now say, you know what? This is an organization that I can get behind. This is an effort that I want to support. I want to make sure every church has access to this uh, helpful manual, Protecting Your Ministry. Uh, Where can they do that? How can they support ADF? Yeah, very easy. Go to adflegal.org. In fact, we just rolled out a new website last week, so go check it out. Uh, we would love your, for your support to ally with us uh, to become involved and be part of the Alliance Defending Freedom. And you also uh, are very, very uh, open with prayer requests and things of that nature. Eric, Absolutely. thank you so much for your time. You're listening to KPXQ. KPXQ.